Hey everyone, welcome to Martaloop Church and happy Thanksgiving if you're taking in this message in Canada. Today is week two of our series on how to read the Bible for all it's worth. Last week at our live service, I talked about the complexities of how the Bible came together and the canon of Scripture and how messy that was, and yet the Spirit superintended over all of that. And if the Spirit can superintend over all of that messiness, then surely the Spirit can superintend over the messiness that is my life and our lives today in our little church. And I also briefly spoke about the different literary genres that fill the Bible, talked about prophecy and narrative in a bit more detail, and how you really have to know how to read these different kinds of literary language in order to fully understand what God might be saying through them. Today, I'm going to look at another one of those literary languages, uh, biblical genres, called wisdom, wisdom or wisdom literature and try to unpack its nature a little bit more um, with the help of Lady Gaga. And I'll explain that connection in just a few minutes. But I want to start today uh, by reading a short wisdom literature excerpt, um, a fairly well-known one that's woven its way into many a book or song or cultural reference over the years. It comes from the book of Ecclesiastes, and for me, you got to hear it according to the tune of a band called The Birds. There is a time and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, and a time to give up, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Before we get into it, please join me in a prayer. God of all time, help us to know what time it is. Not chronologically in terms of the hour of the day, but what time it is in terms of all of our days what time it is in terms of who we really are and what this life we're living is all about. Help us to make sense of our times and to know um, what you would have us know through this life you've created us to live. Give us the wisdom to know the answer to, to, to that question, that existential yearning, we pray. And hear us now, we pray, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, this week, last week, last Sunday, I watched a, uh, for me, quite compelling 60 Minutes news story on singer Tony Bennett's last big concert, which happened this past August at New York City's Radio City Music Hall um, with uh, Lady Gaga. 
uh, ergo the Lady Gaga connection. And the story end, the story ended, the news story ended with Lady Gaga saying this, these words about Tony Bennett. Um, Things can change, she said, touching her temple, and you can still be magnificent. And when I heard those words, I thought, that is wisdom. I was already starting to think about wisdom in this sermon, and so I kind of recognized the the weight of her words as wise words, God-given wise words. That's the truth. Those words describe reality for what it is. And if you saw that 60 Minutes piece, which we did assign for homework, um, so if you, if you didn't, pause, Google it, and watch it, and then come back to this. But if you saw that 60 Minutes piece, you know exactly what I mean. I mean, nobody knew if Tony Bennett would be able to pull off that concert at 95 years, at 95 years of age alone, but also with advanced Alzheimer's. I mean, they had no idea if this was going to work. I mean, two days after that amazing concert, he totally forgot that he did the concert. And yet he did pull it off. He did do that concert. And for a few glorious moments, he stepped out of the life-sapping, memory-shrouding fog of Alzheimer's and was able to sing 12 of his greatest hits to, to 20 standing ovations, evidently. And while there were, of course, a few bumps, he has Alzheimer's. For this, his last concert, Tony Bennett showed up. This man who was lost was found again. And for just a short time, reborn. And it brought so much joy to those who love him. Things can change, and you can still be magnificent. The biblical genre of wisdom is found primarily in the Old Testament books of Ecclesiastes, Job, Proverbs, Song of Songs, and in a few Psalms. And at its core, wisdom can be defined as the ability to live a God-like life to be a God-like person and say God-like things with your life, with your mouth. Things like those words Lady Gaga said about Tony Bennett. And like I said, the moment she said them, they felt like there was a greater truth being spoken. They felt like wisdom to me. And it was almost, now looking back on it, as though they were an echo of those Ecclesiastes words I just read. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. And and it seems to me that that 60-minute story on his last concert, it was like a contemporary rephrasing of these ancient wisdom words. Life is frail and life is fleeting, and for all of us, it's a mysterious mix of good and bad, weeping and laughing, mourning and dancing. And so to see this story of this past century's most, one of this past century's most famous singers giving that concert 
under those conditions and feeling what I was feeling about the goodness of that, it, it was as though a time for everything was happening all at once. With, with Tony Bennett, so alive and himself, his former self, his younger self, even as he faced the shadow of death. With, with an audience so filled with joy, even as deep inside they knew, and, and, and knew in a weeping for his bro- broken mortal condition way, knew what was also going on. With his wife and family, I'm sure, so dancing in the wings as he pulled off all of those songs, even as they, of course, were still carrying the weight of mourning the day-to-day loss and pain that they've been living. So there is time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, and things can change, and you can still be magnificent. Her words felt godlike, like a godlike response to the question, the existential question of the fleetingness of life, the all-too-human question that we all ask. They say, in order to grasp, fully grasp, God's biblical wisdom, you need to know the context. Of course, this is true for all of Scripture, but especially so for wisdom, because we seem to have this propensity to pull out little pieces and then misinterpret them so that we can use them for what we want them to mean. And so the phrase, a time to be born and a time to die, is often misunderstood as merely God having a chronological time for everybody, a start time and an end time. But when you read that verse in the broader context of that whole chapter and those first eight verses of of chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes, and then in the context of the whole book of Ecclesiastes, then in the context of the whole Bible, you see its deeper meaning in terms of this question about the inexplicable mystery and elusiveness of life. That's what that verse, and that's where the wisdom is speaking. That's the question wisdom is asking there. What, what is this life you're living? And why are you here? And what does this mean, this life, your particular life, mine, ours? Now, this context thing is not only true for reading wisdom in the scriptures, it's also true for contemporary manifestations of God's wisdom, too. So on the the surface, you read those words from Lady Gaga, and they seem quite ordinary, maybe a bit pedestrian. But when you read them in context, in the broader context of the bigger story that's being spoken, and, and that's the way it is with God's wisdom words. Context is everything. And so if that is true... Well, then I suppose the greatest context imaginable for understanding most deeply the meaning of life, I think that context is knowing that our lives, our very human-created creature lives, are lived out every moment of these lives, every time, are lived out before God. Your life was birthed in the mind of God. God has an eternal plan for your not-so-fleeting existence. 
Your life is playing out before the creator of the universe, that God, that heart, that mind, that love. Your song, the song of your life is being sung out before the most adoring of fans. You're thinking, relating, loving, working, walking, playing, teaching, giving, and receiving life is playing out in this greatest context. And the key to living wisely in in that context, the key to entering into wisdom in that place, the key to being a source of wisdom out of that place, the Bible teaches, is tapping into God's wisdom, the ever-present God who is with you, who you live life before, tapping into God's wisdom and then finding it for yourself and for your life and for others. Wisdom, as the Bible defines it, has nothing to do with IQ. It's not a matter of cleverness and quickness or skill and expression or even age. Though personal experience is a valuable teacher if interpreted in the light of revealed truth, rather, wisdom is a matter of orientation to God. The fear of the Lord the great wisdom proverb says, is the beginning of wisdom. And as I've said many times before, the fear of the Lord, to fear God is not a frightening kind of negative, wholly negative thing. To fear God is to know the godness of God, God's majesty, God's power, God's ever-present wisdom and grace and love. To fear God is to have um, what the New Testament calls faith that enables you to see the truth to see reality for what it is, to see God uh, in God's presence to us, to see more from God's perspective uh, the nature of this life that we're living, to see what cannot be seen apart from sight being given to us. As the Apostle Paul writes, we, we speak a message of wisdom among the mature but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, And what no human mind has conceived, the the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. Wisdom is a thing that God reveals to you by his Spirit. Wisdom, wherever you find it in life, comes from a God who reveals God's truth to those to whom God is revealing God's truth. Um, Wherever we find it, we can thank God for that wisdom. This wisdom can come in all kinds of ways, of course, but it can be a very temporal and timely thing that enables you to speak truth or all of a sudden a flash of lightning and you see reality for what it is in a particular moment or time. Or it can be one that is born out of a deeply wise, uh, more longly engaged relationship with God. 
There's a time to be born and a time to die. Boom. But for that writer, clearly, who wrote that book of Ecclesiastes, the wisdom journey was rooted in a much deeper relationship with God. So wisdom can be something that is fleeting, and you kind of catch it in the moment, and you possess it for a deep moment. Or wisdom can be a very long moment that possesses you. Jesus once said, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And this is what Jesus does. He mediates the life of wisdom. He is the life of wisdom. Jesus is the embodiment of God's truth through his words and actions and every fiber of his being. He exemplifies what a wise life lived out before God, if this is what wisdom is, what that life can look like, what that life looks like. Very truly, I tell you, the the son, he's talking about himself here, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. This is wise living. (laughs) For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. All of the wisdom that Jesus spoke and enacted and lived and was, was done in response to what God was already doing. To be wise in your life is to respond to what God is already doing in your life. To be wise in your life is to tap into what God is already doing in your life through Christ. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. Jesus is the mediator of the wise life. He offers you a life of wisdom that is free from the constant getting and consuming, free from all the misguided and over-controlled fretting that you live out of way too much in your life free to see with eyes wide open ancient wisdom and amazing truth and the meaning of life, a human life, and what it can be lived out before God. And that is what a truly wise life again looks like. And that is what Jesus looks like. Jesus is the means through which we can gain a God-like eternal perspective. He truly is the way of wisdom. The Eerdmans Bible Commentary says this about wisdom in the context of the book of Ecclesiastes. It writes, All things would, would be absurd if their meaning were exhausted in their function and place in, in the phenomenal world. If by their essence they did not reach into a world beyond this. And this is so true. I mean, if this is all there is, if a mere mortal 50, 60, 70, 80 years is all there is, if these 
this life, live this way, is what really and ultimately defines us. If, if wisdom's fullness is something that can fit into a mere temporal life, and then we're done, and then we die, and then we're buried, and that's it. If all of this is, is just for that, then really, what is the purpose of, of any of this in a world filled with so much strife and pain and poverty and brokenness and relational fracture and schism and polarization in a world where lives are robbed by Alzheimer's and cancer and childhood illnesses and mental breakdown and so, so, so much struggle. The point is this. Without God, no, not just without God, for the writer of Ecclesiastes speaks frequently of God. Without faith in God, no, not even that, for the author has faith in God, in fact, an unquestioning faith. Never does he doubt God's existence. Rather, without the kind of faith in God that is larger than life and therefore worth dying for and therefore worth living for, without a lived love affair with God, life is vanity of vanities, the shadow of a shadow, a dream within a dream. Thinking back to those words Lady Gaga used to describe Tony Bennett in that moment, uh, I think, I know, it was her love for the man that enabled her to see what she saw and say what she said. And stepping back further, I think it was God's love through her the love of God who made her the singer, the diva, this beautiful truth speaker, uh, who she is. It was God's love through Lady Gaga in that moment for her friend. That was God's wisdom that was being spoken, God's perspective, God's view of the story of Tony Bennett's story in that moment. I think it was love because only love can see someone who was conceived in love for who they really are. That old crooner made by God for a generation, given the voice of an angel, someone who God loves deeply, someone whose name and whose story God will never forget, someone whose voice God will never forget. When we see with love in godlike ways and speak out of that love in godlike ways, wisdom flows. So I guess the question for you, if God loves Tony Bennett like that and Lady Gaga like that and all of those fans and their family like that, the question for you is, do you know that God loves you? you know it enough to know that things can change in your life and that you will always be magnificent in his eyes. Do you have any idea how much Jesus wants you to enter into that wisdom through himself? Are you tired, sick, 
failing, flailing, afraid, worn out, stressed, have nothing left in the tank, tapped out by this pandemic, burned out on religion, all the empty platitudes, the meaningless motions, all these actions which seem to only lead to hypocrisy. Come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me every day, all the time, and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly again. You'll learn to live a life of wisdom. Please join me in a prayer. And who of us, Lord, wouldn't want to accept that invitation and live that kind of life before God the Father, a Christ-like, you-like life? So today, in, in this moment, as we all and all of us do struggle with the meaning of life and where it's going in these fleeting years, today, help us to respond to your invitation, to walk with you, to watch you, to follow in your way, to do what you do, what you are doing, and in so doing, to enter into a life of wisdom, and in so doing, engage the wisdom of God more deeply and richly than we ever have before. And in so doing, Heavenly Father, honor you and glorify you and see the godness of God for who you are. To that end, we pray. In Jesus' name, we pray. Through the Holy Spirit's power, whispering truth and transforming lives, we pray. Amen. Thank you.